Well, hello and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry. And we're here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. We're continuing our series in the Beatitudes today, the sort of opening lines of the Sermon on the Mount, this sermon that Jesus preaches that casts this vision of the kingdom of heaven in our world. And today we're looking at the third Beatitude, which is, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, Robbie, when so many people hear the word meek, their minds automatically go to weak or wimpy or doormat or Mm -hmm. whatever that might be, why don't you unpack the word meek for us? Um, Help us understand what that word means. What is Jesus trying to say there? Sure. My understanding of meek is simply power that's controlled. And I think Mm. in church circles, you often hear the analogy of the horse that's, you know, super powerful and and can crush its rider, but allows itself to be steered by this Mm -hmm. single little bit and stuff. I, I think my my picture of meekness in my head is the the Navy SEAL, the Marine Corps special ops guy walking into a room. I don't know if you've ever been in a room when one of these military guys comes in in their dress blues mm-hmm. or their dress uniforms and they're jacked to all get out and you just go, this is not the guy I want to mess with. Totally, right. And you see that person get down on his knees and hug his little girl or something yeah, in the room. Yeah, right, right. And... For me, I just, I love the idea of somebody who steps into a room and and maybe in your mind, it's the big 300 pound lineman or it's Mm -hmm. whomever who just everybody in the room turns and goes, that person has all of the power in the room Mm -hmm. right now, be it strength, be it intellect, be it 17 degrees, whatever it is. And everybody goes, wow. And that person literally or figuratively gets on his knees and and just humbles himself to the point that everybody in the room goes, wow, you're making yourself lower than us. Right. That That's my picture of meekness is that everybody, including that person, knows that all of the power rests on that person. And that person gladly and willingly sets that aside mm-hmm. and lowers him mm-hmm. or herself to the point that he he actually elevates the others in the room. Yeah. yeah, whenever people tell me that meekness is weakness or that humility or those kinds of things are sort of naive and not really things that we should aspire to in this world, that people who are meek are, yeah, like I said, they tend to be weak or wimpy or not assertive, passive, like all these other things. I'm like, well, then what do you, what do, you do with Jesus who calls himself meek? Right. And humble of heart. And I think that goes to your point in that Jesus, whatever room Jesus walks into, he's the most powerful person in the room. He's the one who designed the room, created the room Mm -hmm. that even allows you to be there in it, right? So he has all authority in heaven and on earth and like all of these things. He's the creator of the universe and the redeemer of everything and ultimately will come again and make all things new. Like that's who Jesus is, infinite in power, infinite in glory, infinite in in all of these ways. And yet... He calls himself meek and humble at heart. Moses, who is one of the most powerful, dominant figures in human history, not just in the Old Testament, in human history, is called the meekest hmm. man on earth, the most humble man on earth. So I always tell folks, you know, don't, don't, don't come at me with like, it's naive to be meek or that somehow it's it's passive to be meek. I mean, Jesus and Moses, and I can give you a whole host of others who are the farthest thing from passive, right. the farthest thing from weak, and yet they claim 
this meekness. They claim this humility, which is from God. It's a, it's a really it's a really powerful thing. I, I think to your point, I think uh, this idea that strength sort of under control. Quite often, our minds do go to like physical strength. Mm-hmm. So someone who is just really really strong. Maybe you see them at the gym, and they're just a you know like just in a mountain of a man or a woman and they're just ripped and they've got these, you know, bulging muscles in places you didn't even know that you had muscles, you know, all kinds of stuff, right? Like that. But there's other forms of strength, right? You think about like, again, someone walks in the room and they're like the smartest person in the room, Mm -hmm. right? And you know it, it's, it's like not even close. It's like by a country mile and yet they, they meet you where you're at and they talk to you on your level and they talk to you like a normal person. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like that's that's also strength under control. And we all I think have probably been on the receiving end of something like that where maybe we see someone who's physically really really strong and yet they they approach us, they shake our hand and they don't try and crush our hand mm-hmm. in their grip. They just sort of gently but yet, you know, I mean, like something like that or someone who's intellectually powerful who who gets down on our level, uses words that we can understand, like connivial you know, <laughs> something like that, for example, right? That's the joke from our last podcast. Now, um, I mean, they use words that we can understand. I remember when I was at Princeton, I mean, I had the blessing of going to Princeton. I, I for sure did not feel like I belonged there ever because I was around some of the smartest people in the world. Mm-hmm. That's why they're teaching at Princeton. I felt the same thing at the University of Montana. I bet you did. Like the Grizzlies? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Just like, wow. Wow. The intellectual yeah. prowess Well, here. that's like the Ivy League of the North. It is. It is. I appreciate yes, that. Yes, absolutely. You know? No, I remember I remember sitting in the house. I, this is a funny story. I, I remember sitting in the house. I was invited to um, one of my professor's homes for just an evening conversation with a few of his other students. I happened to be kind of a guy that he liked, and so he invites me in, right? So we go to his house. And this guy is an older, older guy, married older in life, has kids, has a younger wife and has some kids with her. His, his, one of them is a, this daughter. She's 16. Mm-hmm. She walks into the room and she speaks to him in some kind of language that I didn't understand. And he responds in the same language, right? And, you know, I was thinking like it was tongues or something like that. But mm-hmm. they, they understood each other. So they're talking to each other back and forth in this language, right? right? And then she leaves and like goes and does whatever it is she does. And the professor turns to, to us and, and someone's like, well, hey, professor, like what, what language were you speaking? He's like, oh, um, she's learning Attic Greek. Oh. And I'm like, what, what, she just had a conversation with you in Attic who is conversant in Attic Greek anymore? Right. It's like this dead language that no one uses. And yet the two of them are like having this conversation. So that just shows you like the level of brilliance, right? So, yeah. So like that happens and I turned to my buddy. We, we you know, we each had a beer in our hand. We turned, turned to my buddy and I was like, I think I'm the dumbest guy in this room. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, was, it didn't matter because that professor was so gracious Mm-hmm. And so kind. He was not stuck on himself. He was not trying to show off. He's trying to teach his daughter this dead language because she wants to go on and study her PhD and blah, 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 blah. And, and he knows it. He's just a brilliant guy. He probably spoke 17, 18 different languages, yeah. half of which are not spoken anymore. Right, they're <laughs> dead and, languages. And that's just his thing. And yeah. he's gifted in that way. And so when you're ever you're around someone like that, maybe they're wow. uber talented or they're uber smart or they're uber strong, or, or maybe they just wield a lot of political or social influence and power. We've probably all been in those scenarios mm-hmm. where you like walk into a room and like this person comes in and immediately everybody's like, whoa, maybe it's like the governor or the Mm -hmm. president or whatever it might be, right? And all of a sudden, right, we've all been there. And the most amazing people are the ones who don't let it go to their heads. They don't get stuck on themselves. 
they don't unleash that strength or that power that they have on everybody around them. Instead, they bridle it in order to meet you mm-hmm. or meet us where we are in sort of our own <laughs> our own sort of meek and weak condition on some level, yeah. right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here is, is that's what Jesus does for us. That's what he calls us to do for others. So, I mean, you're a high school student, or not a high school student, you're a high school Thank teacher. You, Doug. <laughs> you're not a high school student. You teach high school students. So oh, you have okay. to do this every, every day. day. Yes. You have to do this every day because you hold all the power when you walk in the room, right? I At mean, some level. Sure. On, on some level, right? right. You, you kind of hold, like you're the one who's going to determine their grades and mm-hmm. you're the one that they've got to impress and you're the one that, I mean, so on some level, you've got to like operate from this meek place if mm-hmm. they're going to respond to you. How do you do that? That's wonderful. That's one of the things when I'm trying to coach or help new teachers, Mm -hmm. a common mistake that young teachers make is I have to show the class how smart I am. Right. I have young pastors do that by the way too. Do they really? Oh yeah. So young teachers, they, they come out guns a blazing and and let me talk beyond and above you. Right. So that you go, wow, I'm really smart. Right. And I would say I was probably no different, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back. For sure. I I wanted to start off. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. 23 years old Mm -hmm. and just going, I'm teaching seniors in high school. I'm five years their senior. So I think, you know what I should do? I need to show them how smart I am, Mm -hmm. how accomplished. And it didn't take long for me to learn that's a terrible approach. Mm -hmm. So in the classroom now, I think my most effective times are when I can sort of come alongside students and go, Man, this is difficult. I, yeah. You guys are much further, and it's true, they're much further mm-hmm. along than I was at their age. Mm-hmm. And to kind of go, it's challenging. Yep. It's difficult. That's why I'm here. And when they mess yeah. up or whatever yeah. to go, I, yeah. I can totally see why you did that. And it's, yeah. you know, it's here's the best part. That's an easy fix. Mm-hmm. You're thinking so brilliantly that all we need to do is this. And they respond so much better when I can sort of yeah. come alongside them, look at their paper or whether it's a grammatical concept or we read these ancient, you know, we're reading the Aeneid next. Yeah. And it's like, Mr. Sherry, this is really difficult. And I go, man, I get it. I understand yeah. that this is right. difficult. And it it has nothing when it comes to competing with your social media account versus TikTok. reading this ancient text. Is there like a TikTok version of the Aeneid? I don't know. I'm not, oh, I'm the Luddite. Uh, you are so, Luddite. Do you don't even know so, what TikTok is? I, I learned what TikTok okay. is. So, <laughs> so... <laughs> But they, yeah. I, I've just learned it's more effective yeah. when I can come yeah. alongside them. And just even, even the way I teach mm. now, I sit down yeah. when I teach as opposed to standing up. Right. I try to do that as much as possible to kind of go, hey, just we're doing this level. together. Yeah. And I think they respond to that much mm-hmm. better than when I stand at the board, you're all sitting yeah. below me, I say, yeah. you take notes kind of thing. It's, it's a much better approach for me when I can say, hey, I want to learn alongside mm-hmm. you and I don't think I know everything about this. So mm-hmm. I love hearing your insights. So it's yeah. really fun to have, you know, 15 and 16 year olds oh, yeah. speak up and go, wow, yeah. that's a great perspective. I never considered right. that before. Right, right. No, I think that's really, really awesome. And I, and again, I, I think that that is a good practical example of what we're talking about in action. I think this is true and this can be true. Really, it is applicable for anybody, mm-hmm. no matter what position you're in. When you're a parent, right, it is it is tempting to uh, control mm-hmm. your child's behavior, to use your power to control your child's behavior rather than to gently and lovingly come alongside them, meet them where they're at, help them understand the, ch- the, the consequences of the choices that they're making, S- loosen the slack a little bit on the reins so that they can kind of run a little bit, see where they go, see what they do, see what happens, right? We're, we're afraid to do that because, 
again, of what might happen, the choices they might make, you know, the decisions that they might make that come back to haunt them, all of those kinds of things. And yet at the same time, what's the alternative? The only alternative is to control the only alternative, mm-hmm. is to exert our power over them, those kinds of things. We're having those conversations with my 17-year-olds right now as they're kind of preparing for what's next after high school and all those kinds of things. And they want so badly to be independent. And yet they're not ready for the responsibility fully yet that comes with independency. Right. But again, my role as a parent is... I mean, I could tell them, well, like, you're dumb and you're stupid and this is a bad decision and blah, 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 blah. And some, some parents do that. Mm-hmm. Or I can come alongside them and say, man, that choice didn't really turn out like the way you'd hoped, huh? It's like, what'd you learn from it? And, mm-hmm. you know, just come alongside them, meet them where they're at, again, in a meek way, in a humble way. And what that does, of course, is it opens up all kinds of doors. Now they come to me. Right. Now that like the, we're, we've built a bridge, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's parenting or it's doing the work of a pastor like I do, doing the work of a teacher like you do, if you know people are out in the world and they've got people that they supervise or they've got people that supervise them, like how do we approach these kinds of relationships? Yeah. How do we navigate these relations in our, in our world with meekness, especially when the world says... And this has become, this is a theme, right, with the Beatitudes, is this is the, like, upside-down right, nature of the kingdom. Right. Jesus says, I value meekness. The world says, oh, no, 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 no. We value power. Mm-hmm. We And the more power, the better. Right. That's sort of, like, might makes right. So if I have enough power, it just doesn't matter what you think. Like, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to do it anyway. On some level, right, that's what you see happening, like, right now between Russia and Ukraine, hmm. is this power move. It, that's, it's a purely power. It's a purely about power. That's true. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing else that makes sense about that situation other than Putin, the Russian president, wants to control this particular country. And this particular country we call the Ukraine wants to be independent, mm-hmm. right? And they're fighting back and those kinds of things. And so that, that is like the history of the human race in a nutshell. That's what we do to one another. So it's not just Russia and Ukraine, but it's literally every human conflict ever. It's an attempt to control. It's an attempt to gain power over another group of people or another township or another city or another country or another nation or whatever it might be, right? And so that's what the world admires. That's what the world promotes as the way forward. Mm -hmm. And that's really fascinating when you think about it because it doesn't work. It doesn't. (laughs) It's never worked. History is replete with examples. Right, right, right. why it doesn't work, right. and we still go, no, we're going to try it again. Years ago, re- respond to this. Year, years ago, I was watching a news, cable news show, and they were talking about the, 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 the host was interviewing this, this person on, on television about the exercise of power mm-hmm. in our world today. And they were talking about the clash of nations and these kinds of things. And the guest happened to be a, a, a priest from the Vatican. Okay. Okay. And they're talking about the conflicts that were raging around the world at the time and how the Pope stands for peace and Mm -hmm. is calling for peace and these kinds of things. And the host is like, don't you think it's a little naive? Don't you think you guys in the Vatican like are a little naive? You know, you just call on everybody to love each other. Like, that's naive. Like, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That, you know, never works. Like, people around the world, they hate each other and that kind of thing. And, you, you know, your, your boss, your, the Pope is always calling for peace. Like, you know, at some point in time, sometimes you just, you just need to go to war in order to put down whatever needs to be put down, you know. And so he's going on and on and on about this and again, accusing the Catholic priest of being naive. And I'll never forget the Catholic priest. He sort of listened. Mm-hmm. And then... When the host said, you know, how would you respond to that? He just, he just looked at the host and he goes, this is back when Pope John Paul II okay. was the Pope. JP2, right? yeah. yeah. He's, he's like, 
you're, you're telling me that my Pope is naive. The guy that led the solidarity movement that brought down the Iron Curtain. Yeah. He's naive. Who's fluent in 11 you, languages. You, you, you think that this guy who has promoted nonviolence yeah. his entire life is naive as it approaches you know, these worldwide conflicts. You think the call to nonviolence and the call to peace is a naive way to approach it. Look at this guy's track record. Yeah. Like, what are you even talking about? And then he went on to say, and what about Gandhi in India? And what about Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. in the civil rights struggle in your own country? Like, there are clear... What about Nelson Mandela down yeah. in South Africa? There are these clear examples where the, the implications of the gospel and the meekness right. of the gospel has been used to make massive societal change and to and to do it without bloody civil war. I mean, that's the great miracle, right, of like whether it was the Iron Curtain coming down, whether it's apartheid falling in South Africa, whether it's the civil rights struggle in America, whether it's the end of the caste mm-hmm. in India. These things should have ended in horrific bloodbaths. Mm-hmm. They should have cost the lives of millions of people. And they didn't. And why didn't they? It's because you had leaders who chose at those particular moments to place their trust in a meek, humble, nonviolent ethic of Christ. And all of them were Christian. Well, not Gandhi, but Gandhi placed, modeled himself after Christ. Right. He was very open about that. Mm-hmm. He modeled his way of nonviolence yeah. after Jesus. I think that's an example of meekness mm-hmm. in action that for those folks out there who think, like I said, it's weak, it's naive, it's foolish... You know, doesn't it's not real world. Doesn't really work in the real world, like all of that kind of stuff. No, like it, it does. Yeah. But we just have to have people that will believe it. Like right. like G.K. Chesterton once said, right? The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. It's yeah. again, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with the Bible, you're you're kind yeah. of curious, but you're not there. I think you'd have to admit that there's something compelling in human history when we find, I mean, Pope John Paul II, whenever he'd arrive at a new place, he'd get on his knees and he'd yes, kiss the ground. That's right. And then when he couldn't do that, they would bring him They'd dirt. Bring the ground to him. To right? him so that he <laughs> so could kiss amazing, it. Right? Yeah, totally. I mean, you go, this is yeah. the leader of the Catholic Church getting right. on his knees yeah. in you know, his, his papal robes and, yeah. and he just sit there and it, it compels yeah. Everybody, it's compelling when we see Martin Luther King Jr. goes to jail mm-hmm. himself and writes this beautiful oh, letter totally. from this. And we, we as, a, as humans, we go, I don't understand that. I mean, I remember hearing, even at a, at a very sort of superficial level, we don't understand. Bill Gates, there's a story told of him when he's probably among the top five wealthiest people on the planet, when Microsoft is like hitting its heyday, right. still flying coach right. and sitting in middle seats. Right. right. And, and we I don't sit that, in middle seats. And we, we just right? sit there I mean, and go, I'm not meek enough. No way. I'm not meek enough. No, are you yeah. kidding me? That yeah. makes no sense. Totally, yeah. And yet, yeah. there seems to be something that's attractive about meekness to us. Yeah. And Jesus models this, and you're right, mm-hmm. the people who have changed the world picked up on that and went, yeah. they're not responding to my positional authority. Uh-huh. People seem to respond to relational equity mm. and modeling, and that's... That's what affects change, it seems. 
Well, affects positive change, right? Because yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. other ways to affect That's change, true. right? I mean, negatively yeah. or, or violently or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, those those ways are certainly out there. But I think everybody agrees that those ways are horrific and 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 not good. And I know there's a guy here that uh, at our church, he's one of our missionary partners. Um, he survived the killing fields. Mm-hmm. of Pol Pot in Cambodia, right. right? So he would give you an example of like, that's affecting societal change, but in a horrific, terrible evil, way. terrible yeah. way that costs the lives of millions of people, people that he loves. Unbelievable testimony. And he has chosen the way of meekness. Mm. So this, now this is interesting now that I'm thinking about it, right? Because here's a guy who, he still goes over to Cambodia, even though he survived the killing fields. He still goes back. Of course. And a few years ago, he was back over there. He was leading a trip with college students and he gets picked up by the police and they throw him in prison. Because they're trying to shake him down for a piece of property that he owns. The government is. Mm -hmm. And he won't sign it over to him because he wants to build a a Bible college on that piece of property. And so he won't sign it over to him. So they put him in this prison. And the way he describes it, the way he tells it, it's just this unbelievable story. They they have these guys in the prison population. The government has these these like informants in the prison population. And they're going to pay them to basically beat him up. Every day they're going to beat him up until he finally signs over this piece of property, the government. So the first day he's there. These five guys come to basically attack him. First guy goes to, to beat him up, and he takes a swing and stops like halfway, gets on a, falls on his knees and starts crying. Next guy, next guy, next night, all five guys. And, I mean, my friend doesn't even know what's going on. He's just sort of sitting there like, what, what, what is happening? And so these guys are Cambodian, so they start talking in their language, and these guys say that there's just this presence in my friend wow. that overwhelms them and so he leads all five of them to jesus they all come to faith okay so they have like they have like all these benefits and privileges in the prison because they're these government informants so they give him like in cambodia in this particular prison everybody's just sort of stripped naked and thrown in the same room together Mm -hmm. but they give him like the bed and they give him the clothes and they're like you know and so he starts preaching every day to the prison population all these inmates are coming to faith the commandant of the prison comes down to see like what's What's going on? He leads him to faith. Eventually, the government comes in, kicks him out of the prison (laughs) because he's leading too many. And this guy, again, is the most meek, humble guy that you have ever met in your life. He has no power, no authority, never tries to exert himself. I mean, he is so meek and so humble. And yet God, you want to talk about inherit the earth. God has given into his hands so much as a result. And, and all my friend does is just, he just trusts God. It's, it's, uh, if, you, if you know him, his name is Satan Lee. Oh, yeah. And, and, um, and I mean, just he and his wife Rhonda, they're just the most amazing, most meek people I've probably ever met. Hmm. And it's because they just truly believe and they trust God when he says that they will inherit the earth. If they just place their trust in him, they will inherit the earth. They, they don't have to worry about any of that. And that's really the second half of this equation, right? Again, we keep going from like one half of the equation to the next. Like inherit the earth, like what does that mean? Uh, what would you say? It means that they get a lot of apartment buildings. They get a lot. And hotels. And, yes, and especially property. if like it's New York part of the earth. Yes. 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 If you're meek, yes. you get a lot of property. Right. You get a lot of this earth. Yes. That's what I'm pretty sure it means. <laughs> No, I think there is a, a sense of when you when you have this opportunity to wield power mm-hmm. or authority or I love what you said. There there's there's probably a handful of people who whenever they walk into the room, they just know yep. 
I'm the smartest person yep. in here, right? right? There's, there's people right. who've never been in That's a room right. where they haven't gone, oh, that, that person might be, right? right? So when Jesus says, hey, when you set that aside mm. and you don't wield that, then this is what you gain. I get the sense that what he's saying yeah. is you actually earn relational equity with people mm. and you you have the opportunity to redeem, to be used by God to mm-hmm. redeem that which is broken on this earth for the sake of kingdom purposes. Yeah, I don't know if that's the exact language. No, I think here. that's I think that's right, and I think helping people understand that you could, let's say, you were able to accumulate all the power mm-hmm. that you could possibly want in this world, or all the wealth you could possibly want in this world, or all the talents you could possibly want in this world. Again, in comparison to the riches that Christ has waiting for you. It's so limiting. It's nothing. It's nothing. Like if you want to inherit the earth, the way to do that is not to try and inherit the earth. The way to do it is to meekly and humbly serve Christ, serve those he loves, and then guess what? The inheritance is the byproduct. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what good is it to inherit? Let's Again, let's say, like, I mean, there have been people who have tried to conquer the earth, mm-hmm. Right. And, and what do they end up conquering? What do they end up gaining in the end? They end up gaining ruins. There's nothing left to what they, they have to destroy the very thing that they are trying to gain in order to exert power over it. That's right. right. I mean, like, what, what good is it going to be for Putin to finally conquer? If he, you know, if he, let's say he wins, I, hopefully not, right? But let's just project out. Let's just say that whatever, Russia makes a breakthrough, he throws enough people at it. That's what he mm-hmm. seems to be doing right now. And let's say he's able to conquer Ukraine. What is going to be left? Nothing. Like nothing. Rubble. Right? Rubble. So at best, that's what we would inherit if we're trying to do that in our own power and in our own strength and in our own authority. Whereas Jesus says, no, no. If you are meek, if you seek to serve, if you give yourself away, if you're humble, if you do those things, then what do you gain? Oh my gosh, you gain so much more. And that's why, again, we talked about those political movements in other parts of the world that were led by meek leaders, whether it's Nelson Mandela, what did he gain? A united South Africa, mm-hmm. at least for a time. Yeah. What did Gandhi gain? A united India, at least for a time. Mm-hmm. What did Martin Luther King Jr. gain? A united United States of America, at least for a time, right? I mean, there was these amazing gains and it's because they didn't seek to destroy. They sought to win. Mm-hmm right? Those people over and the way that you win people over who maybe don't agree with you, stand on the other side of the aisle than you or whatever it might be, you win them over as you meekly and humbly seek to serve them. And that's really the deal, right? Right. They're, they're yeah. more compelling. I would much rather spend time, yeah. like you said, with somebody who knows he's smarter than me, knows he's got right. more money, knows he's got, who just says, hey, let's, let's go grab a burger, Right. Or something that I want to listen to what that person says. And I right. think that's what Jesus is saying when you when you do that, you create this this space, right. this early space where you can harvest. There's a I love the story that one of the gentlemen who, who wrote a very large check to start our school, mm-hmm. very large, would occasionally take some of us out to mm-hmm. lunch or breakfast mm-hmm. or and it was a special day when he just asked you wow. individually. Yeah. And he took me to um, a couple of places. I mean, there was a little breakfast place called the Egg and I. Oh, yeah. He took me to Chick-fil-A, took me to these uh, like Five Guys Burgers place. Mm-hmm. And every single time, he he would ask me what we can be doing as a... And he would say, what can we be doing better as a school? Wow. yeah. 
you know, and I'm sitting here going, um, uh, you know, it, I'm just a lowly teacher. I don't know. Right. You can start by and, taking me to Elway's. Right. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So, I mean, right. I mean, come on. Super gentle, super humble. And Five guys. All this, all this money, all this authority. I mean, no joke. And then I loved yeah. it. He would never let me pay for lunch or yeah. breakfast, whatever it was. And he would always pay with a hundred dollar bill, hmm. regardless of the cost of the, the me. I mean, it would be like 12 bucks. Mm hmm. And, and he would do that and just off to the side, kind of everything. And it's like, we all, we all knew this, but he was so mm. meek and constantly trying to learn. And I just, I was compelled by that. That's yeah. why I always wanted to sit there and go. And yeah. so I always think for me, if I, if I walk into a room with students or I'm speaking with a group of people, I don't think in that moment I need to flex my Quinnenia right. Greek or whatever it right. is. Right. I, I just need to love people and set off to the side what the world would celebrate as sort of accomplishments and love people like Jesus did. Just put all that there and love them from beneath them, if you will. And if I do that, I've just seen my ministry be way more effective right. than when I come at it from a place of positional authority. Yeah. And maybe just to kind of a closing example of this, we've given several, you know, but I think again, all of these help folks really grasp and understand that just the, the beauty of meekness, meekness draws people to you. Mm -hmm. Pride pushes people away. Meekness draws people in. And it doesn't matter what situation you're in, whether you're in the situation like you going out with that guy from your school, that one of the founders of your school, you being a, a teacher over your students on some level, right? Me being a pastor, me being a father, a husband. I mean, if you're out there and you're an employee or an employer, I mean, it doesn't really matter what your position is. Mm -hmm. If your approach is to, is to be meek and humble and serve and give your life away to others, you will find people drawn to you. You will find those people around you really drawing close to you, really desiring to be near you, really desiring to be in your presence because those are the kinds of people that we want to be around. Mm -hmm. And 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 on some level, the, the higher their position or the higher their authority and the more meek they are, the more amazing it is, right? Because of like how much you know power they could exert versus how much power they do exert. Like the larger that sure. gap, I mean, the more amazing and impressive it is. I'll, I'll kind of close with this illustration. When we went through COVID as a church, of course, one of the, like the main event for the church is the Sunday morning gathering. Mm -hmm. And the first couple of months that we were involved in COVID, there was no gatherings. You right. know, I mean, and, and that was a real struggle for us, right? And some of my colleagues across the country, when they dealt with their governing authorities, whether it was the local public health department or as the governor of their state or whatever it might be, they decided to take an adversarial approach. Mm -hmm. They flexed, mm -hmm. you know, religious freedom. I'm going to assert my rights and all of those kinds of things. And I'm not going to say whether that was right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying it wasn't a meek approach. Mm -hmm. Okay. They took them to court. They did all those kinds of things. It wasn't a meek approach. And they had these long drawn out battles and all of these negative consequences as a result. And it was really, really painful. Now, again, everybody's situation is different, but I am so thankful living in Colorado that at least most of the faith leaders that I'm around and, and, and spent time with during COVID is we're all trying to grapple with this. We decided to take a meek approach with our governor and a humble approach. We asked our governor how we could pray for him, how right. we could serve him, how we could bless him, how we could help him achieve his goals, which was to save as many lives as possible. That was his goal. Mm -hmm. All right. And as a result, man, he came towards us. He, remember that. he was flexible with us. He did what he could. Now, I mean, there were still certainly 
aspects to it that we push back on and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying that you don't push back occasionally or assert, you know, be honest or whatever, those kinds of things. That's not what this is saying. This is not saying be a doormat. This is saying just approach it with humility, approach that other person or that, that, that agency or that organization or whatever it might be, approach them with humility, approach them with meekness and watch, watch then God draw them to you. And I, I will say that. I mean, it was amazing to watch our governor come towards the faith community and really work with the faith community in a way that he had not done prior to COVID. And I'm just super grateful for it. And I'm super grateful for him in that way. You know, even though we don't necessarily agree politically on on a lot of things, it doesn't matter because just that meek approach, I think was, it served us well as an organization, served our church well, I think served the churches in our state well. Um, not just the churches, but other faith communities as well, whether it's Jews, Muslims, you name it. We all kind of approached our governor in that way. And again, he came towards us and was willing to work with us. And we found that to be a lot, a, a much more effective approach that ultimately ended up with us being able to gather and do all kinds of things as That's a result. Great. Whereas, again, friends in other states just had a lot more difficult. Maybe it was because they weren't meek. Maybe it was because the governing authorities weren't meek. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the reason was. I'm not involved in all the details, but I did find that that was a fascinating, just, again, social experiment here recently. And we gained so much as a result of that. Well, Robbie, thanks so much for the conversation. Uh, yeah. Next time we'll look at, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And that'll be a great conversation as well. Thanks as always to Jake, our man behind the glass, making us sound good. Please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus. We'd love your comments and your reviews, and we'd love it if you'd share it on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcasts or share with social media, share with your friends, those kinds of things. Subscribe so you can stay tuned as we release more episodes in the weeks ahead. We'll talk to you next time. Next time.